0: why athletes struggle in competition. Okay. In this broadcast, I'm going to share with you five key steps you can follow to eliminate your ups and downs, uh, ups and down rounds of golf and help you get back on track to winning performances. And these are some key things that I work with in, uh, with our athletes all around the world, whether it's in golf, whether it's on the, uh, different sports, football, baseball, basketball, or what have you, and um, th- these are game changers. Okay, If you've never met before, I'm Sean Humphreys. I'm a high-performance coach, and I specialize in changing performance of individuals. Whether you're, you're a highly skilled athlete, or you're on your way to being one, or you just want to improve your performance, you're in the right place. All right? So to make sure you can hear me, uh, give me a thumbs up if you don't mind, and uh, also click, uh, give me a little wow face if you don't mind. Also tag someone, if you know someone that could really change their performance and they need to, um, be sure to pass us on because we're trying to help as many people as we possibly can, okay? Let me know where you're watching from. Love to know the city, state, also the country. And also know that I'd love to have your questions and um, this will be rebroadcasted on uh, YouTube and I'll send out that link as well. So let's dive into it. So why do athletes struggle in competition, okay? I have witnessed this for the last 30 years in coaching and, and also witnessed it myself as a competitor. And here's the thing. It all starts in the preparation of the event, okay? And players have a tendency to not ov- only overtrain, but they overtry in competition, which is really kind of the kiss of death. And the reason they overtry is because they're overtraining all the time. And especially just before a competition, they'll hit they'll hit balls all day. They'll train, a, a, a overtrain before the event. They'll train in areas that's given them problems, such as their short game, their putting with approach irons or driver. Sometimes they'll even play 18, 27, or 36 holes trying to get really ready for one event. They don't realize the damage that they're doing, and we're, we're all guilty of it. I even did this, and... It's, uh, it's not a good recipe. So, you know, I, I witness, you know, on the day of competition, that they are so worried about how they will play and or how they will finish or the outcome of the day or the outcome of the tournament, they can't even commit to playing the holes. You know, why is this? And the reason is, is they're, they're so concerned with the outcome, of where the shot might end up, and where that might lead them to making a score on the hole that they have a very difficult time to even commit to playing the hole, all right? More importantly, this leads to no commitment to the strategy to the hole that they may have built the last couple days and playing a pre-tournament round. Um, it's, it's now really difficult for them to even commit to the, the first shot on the hole because they're just so consumed with the, the, the outcome. Then then they might hit, you know, on the tee shot, they'll hit the ball into the trees or they might hit it out of bounds. Now the player is so consumed with making a big mistake, okay, and afraid of a high number that now they're having a, a very difficult time controlling their thoughts so that they can build a strategy for the next shot, okay? You see where I'm going here? Now they're standing over the ball. They're worried, okay, where the ball is going to end up as opposed to where it needs to end up, where I need to hit it. They're so focused on, oh, there's water there, there's trees there, or there's water in front of the green or the bunker. They're actually having these thoughts over the ball as they are swinging, okay? And I can tell you that this is a recipe for disaster, all right? Now, finally, they make it to the green, okay? And they finish with, you know, what I call an other than, that's, they finish with a double bogey, okay? Now the player is in serious over-trying mode, all right? They say to themselves, okay, I'm going to birdie the next two holes or at least the next hole and and get this back, okay, and proceed to make another double in the same fashion as they did before because now they're in super over-trying mode. Then they, then they begin to add up their score and they compare it to par and say to themselves, okay, i'm I'm five over now and okay, if I can shoot 41 on the front, th- that's not bad. i I can I can make it up on the back nine, all right? You guys are shaking your head, right? I, I get it. Unfortunately, we're not done yet. From here going forward, now on the remainders of the holes, they decide okay, I'm going to play it safe and take take three shots to reach the par fours, okay and and then it gives me an opportunity to have a putt for par, but at worst, I'll make bogey, okay? They reach the par fours in three shots, so let's say they reach the hole in the, the next hole, uh, par four in three shots, they got a 15-footer, okay? Now this gets even better. The player says, okay, man, I, I can make this for par. I, I'm gonna jam this thing in here, and the next thing you know, they run it five feet past, and now they've got a five-footer coming back, and they miss it, and they make double bogey, all right? I mean, it just it, the bleeding, you just can't stop the bleeding, and it continues, throughout the entire nine holes, okay? So now you're, you're done with the nine holes and it's like, okay, now you're going to the 10th tee, all right? Now comes the back nine, okay? All of a sudden, the game changes and they're making pars on a lot of the holes. They're making shots, they're hitting shots in the fairway, they're hitting greens, they're getting up and down. It's like, what happened? did someone climb inside their body and take it over because they're a completely different person, right? You with me? You guys seeing this? I, I see it all the time. They finished their round of golf, you know, playing much better than they did on the front nine. Does any of this sound familiar or it could be the other way. It could be a horrific um, or it could be a great front nine and a horrific back nine. Okay. Now they finished the round of golf. Okay. And this is, this is interesting. So when they finish, they'll all kind of gather around, and they'll talk about how bad they performed on the front nine. And they don't even recognize the performance on the back nine. And I want you to hold that thought for a few minutes, because every player that I've been around has a tendency to do this at the recreational or high, at youth, high school, um, and college level. Okay, this is valuable. Okay, we'll circle back to it in a minute. Say, or the, or the, the round of golf has gone bad on the front nine or, and it's horri- or, or, or good on the front nine and it's horrific on the back. Either case, they are talking about how bad they did that day. Now, if they played bad on the back nine, they're prone to run to the practice tee and hit balls and say, man, I've got to hit, I got to get this figured out. I got to find out what's going on. That's going to kill me. The sky's fallen. And next thing you know, they go out on the practice tee and they're hitting it perfect. Like nothing even happened. They're actually hitting it absolutely perfect. And I've seen this too many times in heck, and I've actually experienced it firsthand. And these cycles keep repeating themselves over and over again you know they go out on the tee and they're hitting it perfect and they're like okay tomorrow's going to be a better day parents and athletes you're shaking your heads right because I am why is this okay why is it that my kid can go out and on any given day and play an amazing round in just a regular round of golf and in many cases when they go out on the golf course in competition, they'll play really good in recreational round, but when they go in competition, their game is six, seven, 10 strokes higher than the recreational round of golf. I mean, why is that? And it happens the majority of the time. On the other hand, there's kids that perform well every week in competition and post solid numbers day in and day out. Why is that? I mean you even play with these types of players. As a matter of fact, you've even beat some of these types of players that win every week or that are actually on the leaderboard. And when they get in competition, they just dust you. Why is that? okay? These scenarios that I'm talking about are real, okay? And it happens in every sport known to us, okay? They you know, these types of players that we're talking about that have these highs and lows, they represent 95% of the athletes in competition. That represents all of it. The 5% are the ones that have the consistent performances and they do all the winning 95% of the time or they're at least on the leaderboard. They're the 5%, okay? Now, let's let's jump let's jump to the whys okay i want I want you to really understand the whys okay these jekyll and hyde it's what i call them really the jekyll and hyde rounds of the high score low score um, great holes in a row horrific holes uh, followed by that and it's just back and forth back and forth and you know a solid solid first round and a higher second round and then come back with a better round than a higher so It's this Jekyll and Hyde. So here's the brutal piece. Okay. These performances. Okay. And this is what I learned at the Olympic level. Okay. These performances have nothing to do with your technique or the way you swing the golf club or the way you hit your putt or the way you hit your chips has nothing to do with it. And you're like, scratching your head because that's all we do. Why it's the only thing we can see with our eyes is the result and what the swing looks like or the movement of the club. That's what we've been trained to do. It's the only thing that we've been trained to see. So we go after the physical aspects of the game, the physical movement, the movement of the golf club, the result of the shot, and we start wearing it out. And we start talking about all the things that went wrong. Okay, I'm going tonight, I'm going to give you the secret and it has nothing to do with the way that you operate technically out in competition, okay? And it has nothing to do with your golf swing, all right? It's what is called, a lot of people don't talk about it, it's called the, It's called your self-image, okay? All of these adjustments that you see out there, high to low, lot, uh, low to high, birdies in a row, bogeys in a row, pars in a row, backed up with doubles. It's what is called a self-image. Image correction. The self image is adjusting. Okay, so what is the self image? The self image is the sum of your habits and your attitudes. Okay, it's your area of comfort that we like to operate in, and everybody has it. Okay, so for example, we get out if we get outside our comfort zone and we've got something going really good that we've never done before. Our self-image adjusts us and makes us retract back to where we're comfortable, okay? It's, it's one of the three um, uh, mind, mindset processes. You know, you have the conscious mind, you've got the subconscious, okay? And you have the self-image. And the self-image is the most important piece because it makes you act like you, okay? All right, so it's compromised, it's compromised of, or sorry, comprised of your habits and attitudes that make you comfortable in situations or uncomfortable in stressful situations. If it's not like you to do it, I don't care how well prepared you are, how well you're hitting it in training, how well you're playing in practice. If it's not like you to do it in competition, it's not going to happen. Okay. But I got help for you. Okay. From our story, some athletes are really comfortable in stressful situations right? And we see that a lot. It's it's really not stressful for them to have, to be in competition and to have winning performances. It's like them to do it, right? And for others, we freak out. We don't know what's going on. We can't control our thoughts. We're worried about where the ball is going to go. We're worried about what we're going to make on a hole. worried about what my parents are watching over here, what they think. And the situation just leads into the, just a horrific situation where the self-image is just not going to allow you to perform okay all right now on the story of the player you know playing nine holes and the adjustments to the lower score okay that's the self-image saying to them hey it's not like you to shoot back-to-back high scores so we're going to shoot a lower score on the second nine or it could be the other way around. You shoot a really good score on the front nine and the self-image says, man, hey, Sean, man, that's great. You shot this great front nine, but it's not like you to shoot that great back nine. And the self-image adjusts and you can't do anything about it. However, you can do something about it, okay? You want it to become like you to do something that you haven't done before. and. I have these I have these, parent, I have these conversations with parents all the time and athletes all the time. They're like, man, they say, my kid plays so well in recreational golf, or they play so well the first round and the second round's horrific, or they play terrible the first round and the, the second round's great, or they're, they're off to a slow start and then finally they catch fire on the back nine. That's all self-image correction, okay? That's what it's telling you, all right? This was such an eye-opener for me when I was learning this at the Olympic level. You're starting to get the picture now, right? Okay, so the self-image is like a throttle on a motorcycle. Okay? If it's like you to do something in a stressful situation, it turns on the gas and it shoots you through it. But if it's not like you to do it, it will shut it down. So for example, let's say you're a 75 shooter, okay? And you've got it under par with a few holes left. And it's not like you to be too under par coming down the stretch. Okay. And your self-image says, hey, Sean, it's not like you to be under under par. You're a 75 shooter. So I'm going to figure out how to shoot 75. I'll throw a couple doubles in there. Next thing you know, another bogey and three putt. Next thing you know, 75 or 76. Okay. Now, that's with the self-image shutting it down. Okay. Now, the other hand is, is that if I'm A 75 shooter and I'm kind of over that during the round of golf I'll probably have some adjustments to get it back to 75 so you guys are starting to get the picture here right it's this up and down up and down okay the athletes that are getting it done day in and day out the self-image is saying to them it's like them to do it right okay so why is that why is it like them to do it you say to yourself that you're training as hard as you can you're training harder than anyone else you're getting it done but you're really not getting it done that should be an indicator that it's not the technique that's holding you back because if you can compete with these guys on a regular basis okay or at least play better in recreational golf and your scores are really high in competition it is not your technique it's not your it's your ability not to control your thoughts we'll talk about that but more importantly it's growing your self image so why do these athletes get it done day in and day out? Okay. So let me ask you, why is it like Olympians to set world records? And why is it like them to win gold medals? At the Olympic level, they all have the skills and the talent. But why is it like them to do it? When Olympians start their training, is it like them to win a gold medal when they start training for the the, the Olympics? Not really. I mean It's the beginning of their training, right? However, after four years of training with the correct systems and the programs and the framework, it places the athlete in a serious training to learn, training to compete, and training to win program where the Olympians train their self-image. They grow their self-image on a daily, weekly, monthly, quarterly, yearly basis so it becomes like them to do something that they haven't done before. And it's done in their training and it's done with imprinting we're going to talk about the million-dollar question how do you grow your self-image so it's like you to do something that you haven't been able to do in competition I'm gonna give you five things to think about okay and these things will help you grow your self-image okay so the first one is it starts with the way that you train okay your training is where it starts and your training must be designed to constantly grow and protect your self-image, okay? Most players, in, so most players spend a lot of time working on their technique, but they don't, they don't work on testing it, okay? So first is your training starts, and it has to be designed to where it grows and protects your self-image, that's number one. Number two, again, the athletes spend so much time working on technique and doing drills in their game. Okay. I'm just going to tell you right now, drills don't work. Drills aren't brain compatible because they really don't have anything to do with competing and you can't train up the ladder from a drill to where it becomes like you to do something that you've never done before. The big mistake here, the student is never taught how to test their technique that they've been working on with their coach. Okay. Under stressful situations. Okay? Most of the time, the teacher gives them a few things to work on. Okay, and they get to hitting it well, and the teacher says, "Hey, you're doing great. Um, give me a call when things go sideways or you're hitting it bad." The reason I know that, I used to do it. Okay, there's not a testing ground to say, "Okay, you know what? You're getting the hang of this. Let's now test this." Okay, let's test it all the way to competition. Okay, so that's number two. Number three. This is the most critical piece, and that's what really doesn't exist in this sport, and it exists in all the other sports. Your training must have higher consequences than competition. And I can tell you right now, you're shaking your head, it's like, I don't train like that, okay? I want you to think about this. All the other sports in the world, football, baseball, basketball, softball, volleyball, lacrosse, swimming, diving, track and field, those Olympic sports, but also the other mainstream sports, and even the Olympic sports, their training has higher consequences than the competition. And if you've played those sports, you know what I'm talking about, okay? And that's one of the reasons I got so sick and tired of being sick and tired in my training in my younger years is because nobody was training for high-stakes situations in this sport. That's why I stepped and went in the NFL. If you guys have listened to my podcast and also the live shows, you guys have heard the story before. And I learned what they're doing in the NFL with Bill Parcells and Sean Payton. And even today doing work with Sean Payton, I'm still learning how these guys train for high-stakes situations, and we're taking it to a higher level all the time, okay? Now, number four, you need a mindset program that allows you to control your thoughts in a stressful situation, okay, such as a game time situation, okay? When you can control your thoughts, it allows you to execute without the environment dictating how you think, Imagine if you could do that. If you could do it over every shot. Imagine if you could control your thoughts from start to finish, from the time you build a strategy, from the time you pull, you pull the trigger, and nothing, nothing could penetrate what you have going on here because your thoughts are defined. What if you could do that? And then what if you trained like that? And then if you trained your skills to where your skills had higher consequences than competition, How much is that going to grow your self-image? Now all of a sudden it's going to be like you to do it, okay? Number five, it's critical that the athlete learn how to reinforce solutions, okay? And we call this imprinting. And the reinforcement phase that we talk about is the most important piece of just about anything that we do, okay? Because this is where we really learn how to grow the self-image, okay? All the other stuff's important because it supports it and grow it. This isn't the only place where you grow your self-image, but reinforcement is the is the catalyst, okay? So we call it imprinting. The athlete's training needs to be solutions-based, not problem-based. And I hear that so many times. It's problem-based. Everything's what wrong. So many players I hear talk about what they they did or what they did wrong, okay? Have you ever gone to a golf tournament okay? and following the golf tournament or following the round, kids are going in, they're going to have lunch, and they're sitting around the lunch table, and they start discussing their round. Okay, It's hard not to listen in and hear them talk about how they played. Right? More importantly, they start talking about how bad they putted, how bad they drove the ball, how bad their approach shots were, how many penalty shots they had. I mean, this goes on and on and on. Everybody starts chiming in. Oh, yeah, let me tell you how bad I was. Next one, yeah, let me tell you how horrible I was. I made a 13 on hole 12 today. I hit it out of bounds three times. And then I hit it in the water twice. Yeah, oh, yeah. And it goes on and on and on. Now, let me ask you something. What's that doing to their self-image? Is it growing it or is it shrinking it? It's shrinking it. And they don't even know that they're doing it. That's the bad thing. It's the unfortunate thing they don't even know that they're doing it. and it's shrinking their self-image so much and it just takes so much effort to get it to grow again these athletes are making mental errors right in front of our eyes okay and it's killing their self-image okay I cringe when I hear this say so after about 20 minutes of vomiting on themselves and getting all the things out that was bad then all of a sudden someone chimes up and says yeah oh well you know what? On number on number three today, I hit I hit my driver within ten yards of the green. Oh yeah, no and China says, Well, I hit Flip Wedge into 14. The other says, Oh yeah, well, I hit number sixteen and two, the par five. And now all of a sudden they start talking about all the great things that they did. Right? Okay, now this now this grows the self-image, but they beat the self-image up so much that it's so small now, it's so small. And now they're getting the right imprints and it starts to grow, but it always stagnates and it says that. Imagine if they had all these imprints all the time on what they did well all the time. Your self image is going to constantly grow. Okay. And that's where I'm going at with this. So, that grows the self image when you imprint what you did well. Okay. So what you talk about is critical and leaves an imprint on your self image. If you say you putted bad and you're the worst putter in the world, your self image is shrinking. You're improving the likelihood of that you're going to putt bad again and that you're the worst putter in the world. The more that you say that, the self image, all it knows is what you imprint and it knows that. Okay. Olympians use what is called the principle of reinforcement. Okay. And this is really important. You probably want to write this down. Okay. What you think about, what you talk about and what you write about improves the probability of that thing happening, good or bad. Again, what you think about, talk about, and write about improves the probability of that thing happening, good or bad. If I'm talking, if I'm thinking about these things and I'm talking about it, and worst of all, if I'm writing about it, oh my God, because the worst thing you do, and I've seen athletes do it, okay? So it's the principle. So. We have to be mindful of what we think about and we have to be mindful of what we talk about and then when we decide to write about it it needs to be very positive okay the most important reinforcement tool that you have or that you can have is what is called a performance analysis okay that's what we call the the, their journals but their performance analysis not journaling okay it's defined so this is the journal that the, the journal that we use are the ones that the Olympians use, okay? Everything in it's defined, it's in detail, it's what you need to write down to grow your self-image. They're very defined questions and a lot of them ask why. Our, our athletes use these on a daily basis, okay? And here's the reason why, it's, it's the last thing that they think about after their training. At the end of the day, they imprint everything. Because they could have all these negative thoughts Coming from training, but when they do a performance analysis, it flips everything around. The key it's done after your training, or playing around a round of golf, or after competition, or after qualifying, and it's it's it helps you gather your thoughts in a systematic and strategic manner that allows you to imprint them correctly, so that your that your writing actually grows your self image. It's the key it's what the best athletes in the world do. So, FYI again, this is not journaling. They're not dry you're not dry, writing down your emotions. You're writing down what you did, what you learned, what solutions. It goes all into the entire training, okay? And here's it does three things, okay? This performance analysis will, analysis will change your game. And it does three things. It tracks your performance in training. Yes. You're tracking your performance in training, in competition, In qualifying and when you go out to play you're tracking it on a regular basis and it teaches you how to track it the next is is it builds and protects your self-image and it grows your self-image big time and it helps you goal set so that you stay on track if you don't if you don't measure something how do you manage it and if you can't manage it how do you advance it to a higher level To where your training has higher consequences than the competition. It's not going to happen. If you do your performance analysis for 30 straight days, you'll never stop doing it. I'm telling you it's a game changer, okay? We make mental errors on a daily basis and we don't even know it. Why? It's so common for someone to make so many mental errors and it's common for people to talk about negative things. That's kind of where our society is, but not the ultra elite athletes. The number one reason our focus is directed on outcome. And we're always talking about outcome. Okay. Your focus needs to be on what you have control of. That's what it always needs to be. Not the outcome of the shot, not the outcome of the hole, not the outcome of training. It needs to be focused on what you have control of. And those are the steps that you have of controlling your mindset, controlling the steps of, of your steps over the golf ball, controlling your thoughts, executing, and then reinforcing after the shot. Those are the things that you have control of. We call it the six steps of performing, and we've defined those six steps in our training. So what does that look like? How, how you think or how you control your thoughts in training and competition. That's number one, okay? Number two how you train and prepare for competition, okay? That's gonna help you move the needle, all right? How you reinforce and how you, re- uh, how you manage your imprints, that's number three. These three elements are the key indicators of how you perform, and more importantly, how you change your performance. Again, number one, how you think or how you control your thoughts in training and in competition. Number two, how you train and prepare for competition in your training. And number three, how you reinforce and manage your imprints. And there these, these elements are the key indicators of how you perform. All right. If you don't mind, I want to share something with you. For the next 90 days, you can get this training. You can get access to this EPS collegiate onboarding training that I'm talking about right here. It includes the mindset piece. It includes the, the, the entire think piece which is wrapped around the mindset program. It includes the training, the Olympic training model, okay? It includes the reinforcement piece that we talk about with the imagined imprints, the actual imprints, the environmental imprints, and learning to manage and reinforce this. It includes the performance analysis and teaching you how to do that, the reinforcement program that we just talked about, right? If you want to level up your game and level up your training. You can do it at home, you can do it at the golf course. Some of our athletes are at home right now and they haven't missed a stride one bit. They've got all their tools, they're following this same plan right here, and it's changing their game because they're preparing for competition. We know it's gonna come on board, okay? If you'd, like to, if you'd like to talk about this, I'd be more than happy to have a discovery call with you, okay? Again, it's a 90-day program that I've got to get put together just for the next few days. You can shoot me an email at Sean at Sean That's Sean at Sean Or you can reach me on my direct direct line 972-793-7255. Again, this is the 90 day program. Okay. For the next three months, you can get all the things that we've talked about. Okay. The think piece, the training piece and the reinforcement piece, all the stuff that we do at the Olympic level. You can reach me at Sean at Sean Or you can reach me on my direct line at 972-793-7255. Let's level up your training. Let's take it to a new level. Let's have a discovery call. Be more than happy to chat with you and hear hear your story. I hope you've enjoyed this broadcast as much as I have enjoyed putting it together for you. Pass it along. Let's help as many people as we can. Join me here each Wednesday at 8 p.m. Central, 9 Eastern for the EPS broadcast. And I'll see you next Wednesday.